So, Jim, the Senate, hard at work or hardly working? Uh, In a sort of limbo state between. (laughs) Jim Newell covers Washington for Slate. I would say they're working pretty hard to get to the starting point of when they begin to work. In that they're they're supposed to be having this big bipartisan negotiation over uh, another big coronavirus relief bill. But Republicans are having a little bit of trouble figuring out what they want. Jim's written about dysfunction in Congress for years. But what's happening now... For him, it is another level, because Republicans have had months to put forward their vision for what this relief package should look like. Instead, they're still working on their vision board. You know, Chuck Schumer in his daily floor speech was going and saying, Republicans are in complete disarray. They have no idea what they're doing. It's a madhouse over there. They're so divided. Safely. The country is crying out for relief. This was last week on the Senate floor. The needless delays the partisan politics, the infighting between the president and Senate and House Republicans has got to stop. And I I wasn't sure I quite bought that on Monday when I was expecting Republicans to just have their offer ready by Wednesday. But as each day went on and Mitch McConnell would at the end of the day have to say, oh, this is going to need a couple more days, I think he was pretty much right. Like, I I wasn't sure it was that bad for Republicans in the beginning, but it, it has proven to be. So how soon do, like, unemployment benefits expire for Americans who have been relying on them? This week. I mean, the date's a little confusing. It has to do with when the payments are actually paid out. But, you know, it could be that a lot of people have have had their last week already. But the authorization runs out this week. Today on the show, the clock is ticking in Washington. The question is whether that's going to make the coronavirus relief package move any faster. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick with us. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Mitch McConnell has said that Republicans will be ready to unveil their opening offer for this new coronavirus stimulus package today. It's sort of like part two of the CARES Act that passed in late March. That law allowed Americans to pick up those hefty unemployment benefits, the ones that run out this week. So the negotiations over part two, they are somewhat focused on extending those benefits. But Jim says the real sticking points are what else will wind up in the package. Each side has a compelling interest right now to do another piece of legislation. I mean, there are specific things that each side wants. A lot of state governments and local governments, because they need to balance their budgets, 
They had these huge budget gaps because they were losing sales tax revenue and they were spending their rainy day funds. And so Democrats, especially in some of the states where, you know, they have bigger state governments, California, and New York, really need federal help to try and, and close that gap so they don't have to just lay off tons and tons of workers. So mm-hmm. that is sort of Democrats' top thing they want here. Republicans, and Mitch McConnell has been saying for months, they really want liability protections for companies, hospitals, everyone, so that they don't have to worry about reopening and you know being hit with, in their minds, phony lawsuits or anything that could really slow down business activity. Right. Or like my kid gets COVID at school and then grandma gets really sick and then I want to sue the school district or I want to sue the hospital, whatever. Yeah. And, you know, trial lawyers, plaintiff's lawyers are traditionally allies of Democrats and enemies of Republicans. And so I think Mitch McConnell says he he's worried that they'll be very opportunistic here. You know, he, it's, a, it's a bit of a caricature picture, but it, it's it's something that Republicans really want and really feel is necessary. So I think those are the real two big hooks here, there. I mean, there's also the question of when you're seeing right now when cases spiked again and some of the reopenings and state levels had to be either walked back or frozen, employment numbers are starting to get worse again. So it looks like the, you know, the economy needs a lot of money to sort of keep people afloat. So I, that's kind of why we're here right now. Well, it's like all of this stuff was foreseeable, though. Yes. Like, we were talking about this for weeks. So why is it that all of a sudden we have this fierce urgency of now and we haven't settled this? If you look at the the Senate Republican conference, there are a lot of people like Rand Paul, Ted Cruz, who, even though they are the in-power party, they hold the White House and it's an election year, ideology is catching up with them a little bit. And they realize that the government's already spent, you know, what, $5 trillion or so this year. There's going to be a multi-trillion dollar budget gap. I think it is becoming a, a, a lot for them to stomach. Because they've built their careers on being deficit hawks. Right. And, um, you know, even though they <laughs> when they're passing the tax cut bill or something, they could just let that knowledge slip. I think it really is catching up to them how much they're spending, and so they're uncomfortable with it. You know, the one thing Mitch McConnell hates more than anything is dividing his caucus. Is it dividing the caucus, or is it just revealing divisions that have always been there? Well, I mean, same thing. I mean, you know, there are divisions on a whole number of things, and Mitch McConnell's answer to that is to not talk about it if it's going to get them fighting with each other against a unified Democratic caucus. But he does seem cornered now in a way that I haven't seen him since— Healthcare reform in 2017, when he had an obligation to do something. He couldn't just bury it and not take up the issue. But, you know, he has one side of his caucus that is up for reelection in blue states. And he has another side that, you know, are safe, don't necessarily want to do anything. And he needs to find a way to bring about some rough consensus within that group when there might not be a rough consensus there. So he does seem like he's he's in a pretty difficult spot here, but he knows he can't just not bring it up. You know, he can't just only stick to confirming 32-year-old judges or anything. <laughs> he needs to do something on coronavirus relief, and, you know, it's it's just difficult for him to pull that together. And we should say, 
you know, back in May, the Democratic House of Representatives passed this HEROES Act. So they kind of teed up some legislation. It was big legislation. It was $3 trillion. So theoretically, there's something for the Senate to discuss. Are they even talking about that legislation? No. I mean, when Democrats passed that, Republicans really dismissed it out of hand. But it is, you know, Democrats have a pretty good point. Like, we were ready for this months ago. Now we come up against the deadline and you all realize you have to do something and you can't get there. Even when you consider where Republicans and Democrats agree, they still don't agree on how much all this should cost. So you hear wildly different funding caps on the total package, depending on which caucus is doing the talking. I mean, if you look at just total price tag, Republicans want to keep it around a trillion. The Democratic bill was $3 trillion, and they might think we need more now because things have just gotten worse over the last couple of months. Huh. The White House is saying, oh, we're going to keep this to $1 trillion no matter what. Well, I, that's not going to happen. I, I think people will admit that. It's going to keep going up once Republicans start negotiating with Democrats. And the Republican senators who really want to keep a lid on the spending, they're people like Ted Cruz and Rand Paul. I mean, you talked about Rand Paul like storming out of a lunch this past week because he just couldn't, you know, stomach theoretically the amount of money that Republicans were talking about spending. Yeah, he really didn't spare any words. I mean, he said it was like a meeting of the Progressive Caucus uh, in the Republican lunch where they were discussing what to do. He said there should be a law preventing Republicans from saying they care about the debt. He really just trashed his party's reputation, said a lot of things that Democrats have been saying about Republicans spending hypocrisy over the years. Um, Rand Paul is sort of the right word edge there. It's not a surprise that he feels that way. Maybe some of the words he uses are a little harsh, but I think he speaks for a lot of other members, especially ones who are not either not up for reelection or not up for a close reelection this time. You know, Ted Cruz in that same Republican lunch said to his colleagues, what the hell are we doing? We should be focused on revving up the economy, not, you know, tiding people over for any more time because we're going to lose if we don't get the economy revved up again. Yeah, it does. It does feel like we have the evidence now that when you just, you know, turn the key and rev up the economy, it doesn't do great things for your coronavirus numbers. Yeah, if you look at Texas or Florida or Georgia, um, states that really push to uh, allow businesses to reopen sooner, I mean, you know, it it didn't last very long because then their cases would pick up again and they'd have to freeze everything or shut things down again. And also, you can't just snap your fingers and say, oh, movie theaters are reopen and expect, you know, everyone to go to a movie theater or the same thing with restaurants, you know you're still going to have some of these businesses struggling to get anywhere near the revenue they had beforehand. So I think, you know, I think it's dawned on some Republicans in Congress that so long as the virus is out there, there's no such thing as just like, you know, saying forget about the virus and let's have this choice where business can go back to 100% capacity. That's not able to happen. Are Republicans, like, saying anything to Ted Cruz, like, that hasn't worked? Um, I, I don't see people directly sniping back at Ted Cruz, like, in person. But I, I think you're actually seeing it in some of, you know, Mitch McConnell, say what you want. But he was saying in his press conference this week, like, we really have to understand that 
this virus is not going anywhere until there's a vaccine. So we're just going to have to live with it and everyone's going to have to wear masks and uh, the economy will need a little bit more help. That's not to say he wants to do what Democrats or some experts would consider necessary to fill in the the holes in the economy. But I do see their messaging sort of acknowledging the virus isn't going anywhere and you can't just will the economy back to existence. And I think that's probably reflected in their polling. And Ted Cruz, his his seat is safe this year, right? Yeah, he's not up for re-election, but his uh, colleague from Texas, John Cornyn, is up for election. And it's you know, potentially competitive. And I think you see John Corden much more (laughs) open to doing another big package. So, okay, we've got Mitch McConnell on in one corner. We've got all these other senators who really want to keep the spending down in another. And then into all this walks the White House. And representing the White House, we've got Steve Mnuchin. We've got Mark Meadows, who's kind of a newbie wingman. (laughs) (laughs) who's just joined this negotiating committee as the chief of staff. What does the White House want here? They want a payroll tax holiday. And that is not something that there are many supporters of on Capitol Hill at all. Trump has sort of tweeted about or, you know, said he's wanted at the beginning of a lot of different negotiations over the last year. It doesn't go anywhere because there's not much support on the Hill. I mean... We should explain a little bit what it is, which is it reduces the amount of money taken out of a worker's paycheck for like Medicare and Social Security, right? Yeah. So the payroll tax, it's about 15 percent, half paid by employer, half paid by employee. Um, that money goes to fund Social Security and Medicare. So the idea is just you would zero that out and then, you know, workers would get a little bit more money in their paychecks. The problem with that for the moment is, one – there's like tens of millions of people unemployed, so they're not seeing any benefit for that. And then, yeah, then you do create a shortfall for Social Security and Medicare. So it's not very well targeted. And, you know, the opposite way to look at that was something they did in the CARES Act, which was to send the $1,200 checks, the economic impact payments out to everyone. And that makes sure it goes to both those who are working and those who aren't. You know, it's nice to have the big lump sum well, maybe not big, I don't know, depending on your circumstances, but the upfront lump sum payment of $1,200 rather than, you know, this, these marginal increases of 20 or $30 in your paycheck each week. It just looks better. Yeah, it looks better. But, you know, um, Trump this time around in negotiations was really pushing for it. You could tell it made a lot of Republican senators uncomfortable because, you know, one, they didn't think it was a great idea. Two, they thought it would crowd out a lot of other things they wanted to do in this bill under the $1 trillion price cap. So it's kind of just like taking up space in an already really crowded bill for a limited amount of money. Yeah, for and for an inefficient amount of money relative to what the problem is. It does appear that by now, after a couple more days of talks, they've gotten rid of the, the payroll tax holiday. Like Mnuchin and Meadows have agreed it won't happen President Trump tweeted, oh, it's because the Democrats would never go for it. That's why they had to take it out. And, you know, it's, it's true that Democrats didn't like it, but also Republicans didn't like it. So it was it was pretty bipartisan <laughs> dislike of the idea. Is the White House advocating for anything like on its own now, or is it mostly just focused on keeping the peace first 
among the Republicans and then between the Republicans and Democrats? You know, there's still some little pet projects that that Trump wants that are just whatever, you know, he he wants the the full restoration of the business meals and entertainment deduction which was cut in the in the tax bill a couple of years ago. He wants that restored. So you can write off your like business trips or your dinners out? Yeah, you know, when Trump in the 80s would take people to, you know, get surf and turf at some um, chintzy place in Manhattan, and he thought that was the glory days. He wants that restored. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's not, I mean, it really is something to see a White House that is so out of touch with what's going on the Hill and thus irrelevant in a way to what it's doing. I mean, in a normal administration, you would see a pretty well-staffed legislative affairs department They'll be aware of what's possible on the Hill and what the Hill's thinking and negotiate what it asks for relative to what's possible. So you're not sort of embarrassed like this. And also, so you're not throwing a wrench into what's going on. And it seems like there's just not much White House staff that's tuned into the Hill. Hmm. So they send Mnuchin and Meadows who are, you know, they're not like longtime Hill people. I mean, Meadows was a congressman, but he was a far-right congressman who was basically held veto power over what the House Republican majority did. He's not someone who's done a lot of bicameral negotiations like this before. So it just seems really amateurish, the setup they have. They originally were trying to zero out funding for additional testing, tracing, uh, CDC funding, which is crazy, you know? Uh, it did seem like the White House was talked out of that. But there are some real gaps in political interest right now. I mean, you have Rand Paul is in a safe seat and, you know, can go around being like, I'm the only real principled member left. But then you have Republicans like Cory Gardner, Susan Collins, who are up for re-election this cycle. A lot more vulnerable. A lot more vulnerable and cannot go home for August recess without having gotten a deal. If you're looking at what's tipping the scales for McConnell, it's one, he wants to get his liability protections, but also he's really trying to preserve his Senate majority, which is really not looking great right now. So he knows that he cannot hang his members on whom his majority hinges out to dry. So sounds like a mess. (laughs) Mitch McConnell is now saying that it's going to take three weeks to try to hammer something out. Is that right? Yep. You know, our own Jordan Weissman, he's come up with this idea of, you know, Republicans should kind of swallow their pride here and just extend the unemployment benefits for three weeks while politicians hammer something out. Is there any chance of something like that happening? So Democrats were pretty skeptical of that. I think one reason is they just want to keep the heat on Republicans, they think it helps them get a better uh, negotiation. Is there any thought going into the idea of making the benefits automatic? We've talked about this before on our show, where instead of putting a deadline, like a time deadline, these will run out in July, these will run out in December, say, okay, these benefits will run out when 
unemployment dips below 9% or something like that. So there's an automatic trigger. And it instead of having these protracted negotiations and sort of what we're going through now. Yeah, I, that, that's Democrats negotiating position right now. It's I, I think it's not really... You don't sound optimistic. <laughs> that That's not going to happen. I think um, legislators like having these choke points where they get to renegotiate the terms of the deal. And it's, you know... If Biden is president, you know, Republicans don't want all this automatic stimulus money being done. They they want to have their say in it. I mean, it's a shame because it'd be more sane and, and helpful to have things tied to, you know, whatever the economic factors are at any given moment. But I, I just think that's probably too big of an ask right now. Hmm. Looking at what happened over the last week in Washington, like I, I have this massive concern (laughs) that we're spending so much time fighting over the basics here, like whether we should spend money on testing, which I think most people agree, obviously we should, whether we should fund the CDC, all these things, like whether we should have a payroll tax cut, which turns out most people don't think is a good idea, but we're spending a lot of time on them. And we're not even getting to issues that are really important that we do see coming down the pike ahead of us, stuff like the fact that state and, you know, city governments are running out of money and and need some stimulus from the federal government. Like, we're not even getting to that conversation because we're wasting so much energy on the basics. Yeah, I mean, we will theoretically get there in a few weeks. But yeah, it's it's a really inauspicious start when you spend three days considering the White House to not zero out money for testing, which is the single most important thing. You're, you're completely correct on that. Jim Newell, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Jim Newell is Slate's senior politics writer. And that's the show. What Next is produced by Daniel Hewitt, Jason DeLeon, and Mary Wilson. We're getting some help from Daniel Avis, and we are led by Alicia Montgomery and Allison Benedict. Thanks for listening. I'm Mary Harris. Talk to you tomorrow. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.